So, uh, simple practice of meditation, awareness practice, and perhaps quite a few of you already do this kind of practice, or maybe you uh, do something different than what I'm describing, and you should decide whatever is best for you to do. I'm going to explain something uh, that I think is important to mention, it's quite often left out, and that is. Uh, the space around thought patterns, around emotions, around memories, around anything that comes up, any kind of thinking process that shows up that tends to distract us this way. So, you know, quite often in our uh, daily life, as we go along, whatever's happening, we interact with people and their ideas and their uh, directions or uh, comments, and we immediately add something onto it. Maybe it's very subtle. Maybe it's not this. Maybe it's just a little bit. But we make some kind of comment on everything. This is uh, not a meditation. This is post-meditation. This is going to your job, going to school, uh, relating to your family, your neighbors, your uh, friends, enemies, and your um, coworkers. Leaving any groups out. <laughs> So what we do is we go and talk, interact with people, and then whatever comes up, instead of just receiving, we immediately start to add on. We immediately, the very thing that's coming our way, which I would like to say it this way, is reality. But we sometimes prefer to uh, miss our life. We don't, we don't want it just like that. We want it some other way, so we, we think of things ahead of time. We all know someone, maybe it's you, that can't seem to wait for the period at the end of someone's sentence. They're already filling in what they're saying or where they're going. Very disrespectful. Don't do it. Even if you don't realize that's what you're doing, it can be disrespectful, disrespectful without particularly being deliberately that way. So one of the forms of, lately I've been talking about, <clears throat> one of the forms of generosity that we step right away from and start to think of it in a very practical, kind of a mundane, materialistic way, a very, very subtle form of generosity that if you're not doing this, you're not going to be very damn good at the other kind, the more obvious kind where you hand somebody something, give somebody something, help them with something. Give everything your attention very fundamental form of generosity. If anything is happening, give it your attention. And you cannot give it your attention if you're uh, paranoid, if you're concerned about what's going to happen, or if there's some kind of controlling modality that you condition yourself to uh, align with where you have to have control of every damn thing. You have to, you can't really just eager and give everything your attention. Everything, all the time. Color, shape, sound, smells, taste, thoughts. Everything. Give it your attention. And don't add. Don't add anything to it. Let it, let it just be in its 
shall we say, pristine state of just whatever's occurring to you is occurring. In fact, even to say it's occurring is adding. It doesn't need your help with your opinions that are very subtle way of controlling your world. <clears throat> and maybe you want to control your world. So go ahead. But you probably won't be interested in the rest of what I have to say. <laughs> On the other hand, you're here. You're basically giving me permission to say things. And I intend to do it. I don't plan much. I didn't plan this. Planning is extra. Unless it's not. You could start out with no plan. And then, do I need a plan? Maybe I do need a plan. Less is better. Because how do you know it's a plan? It doesn't work. You notice that? Uh, plans don't work. That's one of the descriptions for a plan. <laughs> yeah. What time is <laughs> And then when you give everything your attention, then give everything your uh, your six sense fields, then receive. That's the other part of giving. You can't understand generosity unless you can give, and you can't understand generosity completely unless you know how to receive. You should receive everything. Not just, well, I'll receive this, but I'm not receiving that. No, receive. Whatever, whatever is coming your way is coming your way because of causes and conditions that are absolutely unsearchable. You can't search this. You can't search that. You can't find it. That doesn't mean it is not there and it's not occurring in little bits and pieces from everywhere. There are uncountable numbers of uh, the example I often use. I could use it here now. Uh, you can't stand at the headwaters of the Amazon and blame one of the tributaries. Kind of a simple idea for there even being a mouth of the Amazon. Or is that the tail of the Amazon? I'm kind of dyslexic. I'm very dyslexic. So the basic idea there is something starts here, something starts there, another thing starts here, something drops down here, another thing comes this way, thing moves in this way, something else goes this, and then that readjusts, and that gets wider, that gets smaller, and then at some point in your life, you get it. But you didn't get that. You got causes and conditions, causes and conditions from beginningless time up to this present moment that result in your life. Don't miss your life. Receive your life. If you don't receive it in this lifetime, you're going to be back again, starting over again. I'm not threatening you with anything. I'm just making, making an observation. I've been looking at this a lot longer than anyone here that I can see. You don't see me, but I'm past 50. <laughs> so when we practice the sitting practice of meditation as I teach it I teach it and it is taught in other places the same way as sit down hold still be symmetrical body and mind are not fundamentally separate but it looks like they are because we can think this and do that we can do this over here while we're thinking this over here that's just uh, means that the mind has a lot of facility it doesn't mean they're separate just like this hand can do something without this hand moving. 
sit in a symmetrical form, you can use this one. This is the one I prefer and teach, and this is just comes back from, comes to us from hundreds of years of uh, sitting practice of meditation out of the Japanese tradition. Excuse me, symmetrical, sit straight, look. Sit in front of a wall. <clears throat> and when you do, whatever's there, the wall, it should be just ordinary surface like that. Just observe, nothing extra. Don't analyze, don't think, don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. Don't push, pull, or shut away. It's difficult to do that. And how do you do that? You see over and over again the way in which you just, just can't quite do that. That's the practice. That's how the muscle of awareness, if you want to call it a muscle, gets stronger and stronger and stronger by exercising what? Just observe. Just observe. Just observe. As soon as you start to add on, you start to weaken your awareness. You strengthen something that is already muscle-bound, I like to say, is your thought process. We think about everything. Anything that happens is, hmm, huh, hmm, what about that? What about that? What about this? Why is he saying that? Should I be saying, should he, should, what if I, you know, Tiring, isn't it? Anybody that that's not tiring to? And <clears throat> you can't stop it because that's another form of thinking. That's another form of aggression, going after what is arising because you don't like it with some kind of, what, weaponized thought patterns. I'm using that term these days, weaponized. And if you manage to stop pushing so much, stop, stop pulling so much, stop distracting yourself or shutting away, there's still no guarantee that, you're, that the difficulty you're happening, that is happening with you is going to recede. But I could probably guarantee you that if you don't do something to train your mind, the difficulty you're experiencing is probably going to not only keep going, but possibly even increase. Not separate. We're not separate from anything. <clears throat> so the only way you're going to be able to see the space in which things occur is to look at the things that occur. Look at the thought. When the thought arises, whatever it may be, just observe. The thought goes away, just observe. The thought comes back, just observe. Heavy painful, difficult, abrasive thoughts to smooth, kind, sweet, strawberry-flavored, feathery thoughts. That develops something. That smell like those flowers? Lilacs. Aren't lilacs great? What a generous flower. So by observing after time, by just observing, not adding, just observing, not, not subtracting. So adding means to think about it and analyze it, judge it, describe it. Instead of just whatever it is, you describe it. We, ego, self-centered mind, can't hardly stand to not know. We need to know everything. We need to know what that. What is that? 
So we, instead of just being, you could say, innocent, like a three-year-old, you know about those. You guys got several of them here, right? They just love kids. Not always innocent, sir. Huh? <laughs> not always innocent, sir. Well, they're not. So, yeah, some are pretty sophisticated, devilish. Yeah, I had five of them. <clears throat> well, I didn't have him, but I helped. So it seems that we, we the meditation practice, if we continue and we do a daily practice, weekly, monthly, yearly practice, over and over again, without particularly adding on to the expectation part, that eventually, over time, uh, something we call, don't know what else to call it, clarity begins to arise. And that clarity can be about how miserable you're out, you are. This is why it's so difficult to do this without a teacher and without a sangha or community, because the, the labyrinth, the uh, pathways, the passages that you personally, with your karma, going back to the beginning of time, you haven't... Whatever your age is, that's beside the point. There is no age. What was I going to say? It's beside the point. Beside the point. Thanks. That, that situation that you're looking at could, because of your own particular karma, your own particular causes and conditions that show up as your personality, your, your tendency to be absent-minded, or your tendency to be just irritable about everything, or maybe even angry, <clears throat> or maybe to, to just kind of shut down on everything. You're kind of in a, what do they call it, a stupor? Yeah. A modified stupor? I'm sure nobody's here to stupor. But the tendency to want to wrestle with our karma, to not be that, the, very, the first words out of the Buddha's mouth, as far as we know, is life is suffering. He didn't say part time. Life is suffering. So what did he mean by that? It's discontent. Just not really wanting things the way they are. Wanting something else. I'm not saying there aren't some passages where you're not particularly unhappy with something. Of course. But generally speaking, we always want something else. Even, even a little tiny something else. I don't want much. I just want a million dollars. Trading our mind by setting up a schedule, setting up time to sit down, face the wall, I often say, I'm saying now, you don't, you don't have to become a Buddhist. You don't have to believe in anything. I don't even believe in Buddhism. If I believed in Buddhism, I couldn't teach this because I'd be teaching some kind of doctrine, some kind of, what do they call those? When you teach a bunch of things you believe in? Dharma. Huh? Dharma. I knew it had something to do with dogs. There's a dog. The mother of a dog, a dogma. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> yes, it is a dogma. Something that, and quite often people inadvertently begin to grasp that, clutch at that, because there's so much information there, especially a lineage like ours that's been around for 2,500 years. It's, it's actually somewhat easier to just teach out of your knowledge, your, your concepts, your ideas, the 12 links in the chain of existence, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path. And I, I teach that too, but not just that. Some 
people teach out of those concepts. <clears throat> Still pink. It was pink the last time I was here. Yeah, I'm glad something has some continuity. <laughs> she need help. Okay. So things occur and we don't like it. Things occur and we really like it. We want more. So again, that's another kind of there's not enough ice cream, or there's not enough success, or there's not enough money. There's not enough, not enough, not enough time left. And so we we tend to to try to do things to figure that out or correct it or find it. See, we try to look at that. We, we use our awareness to try to figure out how to change it. And if you haven't noticed, there are people everywhere that can't wait to sell you a way to change that, to be a better person, to have control of your life, to be happy. The only message I have is train your mind. Don't don't live another moment without finding out who this is. When I say this, I'm saying, find out who you are. You have no doubt. If you find out who you are and you have no doubts about it, you won't have any more questions. Find out who you are before you go to sleep again. Find out who you are before you pass out of this existence into the next, or you're going to be right back, more than likely. Maybe not. Maybe you're, maybe you're here just to learn how to emit light. You'll be an angel. So I don't know, but it kind of looks like from what I've seen that it'd be a really good idea if you train your mind. You don't have to join anything. Sit down, hold still, look, and see the way the disturbances keep coming. And when you see those after a while, you'll begin to see there is a space around everything that occurs takes a while because we are so fascinated by what is occurring. We love phenomena. We love, we love it so much that we're even willing to settle for misery. Terrible, feeling terrible. We'll settle for that rather than just not much happening at all. I think I'm going to join she gets. I'll blow my nose, and she won't feel so good. <clears throat> so this, I very much like to respond to questions. We've got quite a bit of time. So I can continue to chatter away here, because I have, have a lot to say. I also like to respond. If you have any questions about anything I've said so far, you'd like to possibly go into some part of it deeper, or, or I elaborate a little bit, maybe. You can also do that. So. As I'm talking, just raise your hand and I will stop. What you have to say is much more important than what I have to say. I know what I'm going to say, but I don't know what you're going to say. I'm very curious. I already know what you're going to say. Do you have a question? No, no. Do you have a question? What do you think? What do I think? What, do you, what are you going to say? I don't know yet. I haven't said it. <laughs> Or is that an air conditioner? Do you have any questions? <laughs>
voice, please. When you see the, the voices going on in your head, yes. you're talking about that and then the space. Yes. Can you talk more about that? I can. This, uh, fundamentally, the whatever's happening in the space are not separate. They're separated, just like we're not separate, but we're separated. So it's very important to see that and in your consciousness to be really aware that that's what's happening rather than shut down on the space and fasten on either through love or hate or any kind of uh, dismissive kind of situation to the phenomena that's arising. It's so tempting when something arises to judge it, evaluate it in one way or another. It's good, it's bad, it shouldn't be happening, it should be happening. I can tell you just from my little time here in this situation of being in here or with this or as this, uh, everything that's coming, you got it coming. You got it coming. Causes and if there's a physical form here and there are mental, emotional forms, so everything that is showing up, it's yours. It's your life. Don't miss it. Don't try to be something else. Don't try to get away from something that is happening to you. When we do that, uh, then we haven't really seen the spaciousness of everything that occurs. Everything that occurs is full of space. And Buddhism, a technical word for that is shunyata, or emptiness. Everything is empty of what you think it is. If you can look at anything and not know what it is, I mean really not know what it is, then it's like looking in a mirror. Because we tend to project who we are. And what something else is tends to project in our direction. I'm not sure how that works. It's kind of like it's either two forwards or two reverses. More. So uh, the process seems to be sit down, pull still, day after day, continue to sit down and exercise that that awareness, so that in your everyday life, when life starts to get difficult, <clears throat> you're ready. Then when the forms start coming your way of uh, bad news, lost a job, lost a friend, lost something has gone away, something is, something's left that you really love and something that comes that you really don't want, then you're, you're able to work with that in what I like to call a sane way. Here's my definition of saying, no more warfare with anything, no more fighting anything. This doesn't mean that you won't feel really sad or, or even, even disappointed. Those are just emotions and feelings. So they may come and go. And deep down here we fight, it's, it's, just, it's just very, very difficult. We all, this, we all recognize this kind of thing. So in order to rate, relate to that kind of difficulty or struggle or warfare, seems to be necessary to just watch that warfare without joining it, without fighting it, without trying to push it away, without trying to enhance it or fluff it up. What I, what I mean there when I say enhance it or fluff it up, I mean adding on to its, uh, 
adding on to it by describing or explaining to yourself in your mind what it's about, what it's for, why it happened, who did it, blaming this way, blaming that. These are the two, the two blames. Blaming yourself. What have I done? There I go again. Or who do they think they are? Interesting kind of statement. Who do they think they are? Giving me trouble. Yes. Lita. Um, when you're talking about the space around things, how does that, how can you, you explain that in terms of no separation? So, what Plato's talking about, I'm always saying that things aren't separate. Fundamentally, things aren't separate, aren't separate, but that gets us to, all of us, certainly got me doing that, to look at the way things are separated. It's like saying, yes, they are. They are too. So then, but then I keep hearing that. This is part of the teachings. Is everything is dependently risen. This is a teaching of the Buddha. This is something I made up. Pratitya Samuppada is a fancy word for it. Everything that happens here is dependent on everything else that happens for its apparent singularity or identity, including all of these beating hearts. What's the rest of the question? How, how can you talk about um, the space around things simultaneously with talking about the separation? So, First, you have to see the separation, and the separations are being pointed out there in, in the awareness of the mind of the meditator is to see the phenomena, and then we begin to see the space around the phenomena, and then we look, and we look, and we see the separation, we see the separation, and then at some point, all polarity collapses into the perception itself. This is a basic teaching of Buddhism out of the third century by, what's that guy's name? Well, the guardian is pretty good, but later, Masuban. He basically said, and other teachings have said too, that everything is perception only, consciousness only, or just perception, that there is really no object being perceived, and there's no perceiver. There's just the perception. And so the identity or the subjectivity and the objectivity collapse into the perception. It's not something to believe. I would recommend you don't believe anything and don't disbelieve anything. Did I answer your question? Probably not. I don't think I did it. I forgot your question, so how could I have answered it? You forgot my question twice. I did. <laughs> yes. Seeing the space around thought patterns, what is space? Seeing space, what does space look like? It just looks like nothing's there. And then you, the more you look, eventually the space and the object, uh, you see that they're not separate. It's, it's completely uh, sometimes called, it's called by my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, ordinary magic. It's ordinary, but it's magical. Again, not to everywhere you look with the Buddhist teachings, if they're the actual teachings that the Buddha was talking about, as I understand it anyway, is that any two, anything you can find that is something 
has an opposite. And that opposite is not separate from anything defined. A little bit of psychology, philosophy, whatever, but it's an actual realization. It's not just something that you works conceptually quite a bit. If you talk to some uh, Tibetan uh, or, or a, a Chinese or Japanese uh, Sanskrit scholars, they'll, they'll explain to you because they're very smart. They can explain to you the way that works conceptually. I can't do that. I, I am smart though. <laughs> Nice toes. Yes. What does seeing the space around phenomena do for us? So seeing the space, registering that there's a lot of spaciousness in our mind, that we we can actually it, 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 we begin to realize how uh, we have natural uh, generosity. We have a natural uh, <coughs> ability to just give. And, you know, there may, may not be anything to give. Like I was saying, the, the kind of the tiny kind of doing that and practicing that is to give everything your attention. Whatever you see, give it your attention and don't add to it. So if you see something, you're giving it your attention. Don't, don't take it back by shutting down and naming it, calling it, judging it fixating on it. Quite often do that with people. <coughs> Someone walks in the room that we've never seen before. You'll notice, uh, maybe negative, maybe positive, all kinds of little stories can come up around somebody you don't even know. We're so used to thinking up stuff. What was the question? So what does seeing the space around phenomena do for us? How does it help? Just opens it up. We, we tend to, to fasten on uh, through passion, grasping, aggression, uh, pushing it away, trying to destroy it, trying to get rid of it uh, in a very subtle form. It's just to say we don't like it and just to repeat in our mind some negativity about it, aggression. Maybe just an, an inner feeling of some kind that has a few comments on it, a few words. So we get... We get locked down on right and wrong. We get locked down on what's happening in such a way that all, all the space, there is space, but it all tends to collapse into the thing we're hanging on to or the thing we're trying to get rid of or the thing we're trying to distract ourselves from so we don't have to look at it anymore. So I often say, don't, I don't tell people, even if they're struggling with something, I don't tell people necessarily to just let go. I think that's very disrespectful. Maybe they don't feel like letting go. And to tell somebody to let go before it's really time for that to happen. When I say time for that to happen, I mean when something has been giving you trouble goes away, that's when you let go. You don't let go before that happens. If you let go before that happens, it's called aggression. You're actually being very subtly aggressive with your own thought patterns and your own, and this just keeps it going, keeps the karma going. You just come back for another dose over and over and over again.
Yes. Um, and I'm paraphrasing this incorrectly, but you talked about clarity being not knowing what you're looking at. Um, so when you're looking at space and you're looking for the space between the dots, um, are you clearly seeing space if you know that's what you're looking at? Probably not. So what would clearly seeing space look like? Not knowing what you're looking at. <laughs> um, my confusion comes from not really knowing what you mean by space. I don't see space between the dots. I won't say it until you see it. It's like the old Abbott and Costello thing. Who's on first? So again, coming back and being silly about it, but but space is a concept about something. It's a concept about something. Is there actually space? Kind of, but things can be spacious, but if you technically, if you scientifically went in, you'd find out that even space is full of all kinds of varmints. Don't we have some scientists here? Tell us how many varmints are in space. Microbes. Question When you see the space around those, it almost feels like a sense of letting go of habits or some intellect. How can we how do we how do we let that go? So here's how I'll address it. So don't don't let go. Don't you don't say it in a little bit of a different way. Don't don't use the energy of letting go, which is more like aggression. Don't use that up there trying to get yourself to be a different kind of person or trying to work with an identity that is unreal in the first place. There is no such thing as an ego or a self. If you think there's something there, uh, you're wrong. There's not, but you think there's something there. And if I were to go around as I've done before, I'm not going to do it here. Went around, pick anybody out or all of you, insult one, everybody all at once. You'll feel your ego immediately. That's not real. Or if I compliment you, you might not want to show it too much, but you will feel. Even if even if you know I'm kidding, you can't hardly help it. Somebody really thinks we're just. Wonderful, and gorgeous, and so intelligent. I've never met anybody like you. This is a really intriguing meeting. Or if I go the other way around, you're one of the most horrid, rotten, mean, despicable people I've ever met. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? <laughs> but you know, uh, and how do I do that? 
because I actually I'm not I'm not I'm not afraid of those feelings. So I can actually manifest any feeling. I can run out of here and bust through that door terrified, and, and you won't you won't know that there's nobody doing that. It's just emotion. Emotion doesn't belong to anybody. Want to hear? You've heard of this one before, but I'm going to use it anyway. Get over yourself. How do you do that? You see, there there isn't one. But you won't. You won't. If you use your energy to try to be a better ego, or try to be a, a person who doesn't believe in some propaganda about something, then that energy it just goes around and around. It comes back, and then you you thought you did okay, and you kind of gave up, and you're getting better. And then suddenly something comes along, you know, and triggers the undiscovered or unexamined lump of aggression or anger that is buried that you need to look at. Do you need to look at that? I don't know. I'm just kind of presumptuous. I'm sitting here. Somebody invited you here. Did you invite me? Yeah. So, and then somebody invited me here. Did you invite me here? There's no me. Want to get slapped? <laughs> no, I can't do that. That's abuse. You want to get uh, insulted? <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> so I, what am I saying? I'm saying we come together. Uh, I have some experience doing this. All of you have an interest in meditation practice and training your mind. I've done this for a long time. I've discovered a lot about it. I went through many decades of thinking I knew something that I did not have a clue about. But I just kept at it anyway. Just kept doing it, doing it, doing it. Relentless about it. Very, very stubborn about that. Then I don't know what happened. I kind of lost track. So I don't mean that you that one wouldn't be in a situation where you're you're trying to lessen or turn or dial back some of your you know your attachment to what somebody's saying or you're being irritated with some what people are saying about this or that, and you feel like people talk in a certain way and you start to resonate with that and you don't like it. You don't want to I'm probably not describing what you're talking about exactly, but it's a little bit of that, isn't it? Or you have a better description? Yeah, okay, so I would say uh, awareness, awareness, not, don't change gears, don't switch gears into something else. Just when uh, we call that, excuse me, in the Zen tradition, we call it a Dharma gate. That when, you, when you're going along fine, you've had your morning uh, coffee and you're going to work and you're going to work and something happens in your job or your situation you're in that is uh, distressing and, and it triggers might be something very little the old mountain uh, uh, molehill kind of thing maybe some little thing but it's it's triggering or vibrating uh, it resonates with some unexamined difficulty and you start to it kind of starts to come out when the response should have been, well, I, I don't agree with that. That's inappropriate for you to say that. Go, go about your job. Maybe be irritated. But instead, maybe some kind of really intense preoccupation with what they said that's really kind of out of proportion because if you really could see why the person say, said that really clearly, if you had a lot of space around what you were doing, including yourself and others, which is called uh, uh, environmental generosity, then you would see that the reason this person is acting so aggressive or disrespectful to you is because they're suffering so much themselves. 
when you see that someone's suffering themselves, then you understand why they're being aggressive. And then you don't go to war with someone's uh, distress that manifests as angry at you. Go ahead. So when it happens that I, I experience that I'm triggered by something somebody says, and I'm totally drawn in, and I, and I go back to my office and dump that on somebody else. Well, not right. in a terrible way. You want to know what I call that? What? You want to know what I call it? Do you yes. want to know or not? If you don't, then I'll shut up. No. Okay, it's awareness. You just described something you were very aware of. You didn't get rid of it. You described what, what that looked like to you. I didn't hear you particularly blaming anybody. You were talking about some kind of process that was happening there. Now you can ask your question. And yet, I said something to someone that I wish I hadn't, because I then I kind of yeah. spilled that spilled out of me onto someone else, and it wasn't in a terrible way, but it was still a way I didn't appreciate. So, yes. is it is there a way to apologize, deconstruct? Back off. What do I do? What what can be done when, when that spills over onto someone else? Probably less is better. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't say sorry about that, but but less is better. Don't go into any kind of discursive round and around about it. Just look at them, meet them, maybe ten minutes later, twenty minutes, the next day, come in and remember yesterday. Sorry about. Walk away, and then, then, then they're then you're not uh, acting in such a way that you're triggering other things in them that makes life more difficult for them. Much better to just be very simple about it. And if, if it was appropriate, say it didn't mean to hurt you. Apologies are are good, but keep them to a minimum and make sure when you do that, you only do it once. You apologize twice, you're looking for somebody to forgive you. Forgiveness is baloney. If you don't understand what I'm saying, you should ask about it because there's a big misunderstanding about forgiveness and apologies. Did I finish with you? What is the misunderstanding um, that we have about forgiveness? Uh, forgiveness, uh, it tends to reinforce uh, the polarity between people. It's not that people, some people don't do things that are harmful and other people don't do things that are very helpful and supportive. It's just that when it starts to show up as an identity, an ego that is really, really nice, as opposed to all these other idiots, you feel that. You're so such a sweet, nice, wonderful person. There's all these crappy people around you. Is that what you meant? No. So what happens is we tend to reinforce through apology. We tend to we want to get off the hook. We don't like the, the feeling of being wrong, so we apologize. This is. Uh, I'm happy to discuss this if you want to interact with me around it. You might be able to go a lot deeper in it than just me making a few comments. I'm just saying it's a it's it's a misunderstanding and it takes the place of, of actual 
sincerity, which could be happening, I guess. Um, so one of the things we practice with the children is, um, I don't pretty much don't let them say sorry. Sorry is a cop out. Sorry, they just want to move on. No. So the phrase you use is, you know, what can I do to help you feel better? Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, um, looking at that practice, um, do you see that as being beneficial or supporting um, their awareness? What I see as beneficial is you. As far as what you're doing, I trust you. So rather than for me to give you some kind of protocol about it, I would just say, be kind, be sincere, be support people. Uh, practice a lot to work with your own hidden aggression so you don't, your own aggression, if it gets triggered, at least you have enough clarity that you're not going to lay it on someone else. You know what I'm talking about. Um, well, I do have a question about that. Um, sometimes it does feel like I'm walking around with a little bit of dark. Sure. And, um, and I see it, and I know that it's just going to take a second of ignorance, you know, or just not seeing it anymore for the trigger to be pulled. Um, how can I include the space when the, the gun's already locked and loaded and is waiting for a target? Look, look for the space. But I don't know. Okay, that's, you don't know what it is, that's the space. There isn't anything extra. You know, the space is your birthright. You know, it's always there. There isn't something else. Don't look for anything else. At the same time, don't necessarily force a recognition. A willingness to not know what's happening is actually space. It's an intellectual kind of space. You're quite smart. It's not a compliment. You're quite full of yourself. That is a compliment. <laughs> I get to say that kind of thing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, Leah. What is sincerity? I think it's putting others before yourself. Can you do that and be um, just an incredible? Uh, could you be full of yourself and do that as a, as a kind of look at, help, look at what I'm doing? But see, you're not, that's not helping others. That's actually spending time fluffing up yourself. You're not, if, if you're actually <clears throat> putting others before, before yourself, they won't even know it. People are so full of themselves. They're so busy with their own thoughts. They, they won't even know it. They might. Just again on the, uh, the forgiveness and apology. Um, so are, are you saying that it's never appropriate to apologize? No. Let's just say that watch how you use the, the whole thing. Look at your intention, your motivation behind that when you do that. Thank you very much. I have both. I found the other one. I have both of them. So yes, it's 
sometimes it is, but we tend to over, we tend to, that tends to get in the way of actually fully being in that experience, being kind of rather even kind of helpless in the middle of that experience. There's a lot there if you have more questions. Okay. Yes. If somebody's walking along and you open the covered door into their head by accident and you smack them by, and you say, oh, sorry, what's wrong with that? You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong. Of course you would say that. I'm saying a simple version of it, but I'm just saying you have to you have to be aware of what's happening. Of course, you step on somebody's foot, whoops, sorry. I'm not trying to end that. I'm not making some kind of philosophical position on it. I'm just saying just look at the whole apology, sorry, kind of things more, more closely with and everyone in here is going to have a different kind of an understanding of how that works, uh, you know, for you. You might have different ideas. You might, I would say, I would recommend and wish that you wouldn't go out of here uh, totally disagreeing without talking about it a little bit or asking something about it so we can interact. So I'm not saying never do that. Yes? Uh, what should I do with remarks? So there's no, there's no, nothing to really do with it other than include it and don't try to add on some kind of little post-it notes around it to say what it is. Uh, go into the feeling. Often I use this image as a feeling. Feeling is, is like in, in any, whether it's emotional or feeling the, the how a carpet feels, has a very similar kind of texture. Emotions have texture to them. If you're thinking about the emotion or adding on something about the remorse, or I don't like the remorse, or I need to get rid of it, or uh, whatever the story may be, makes no difference. Uh, to we, we tend to um, abandon or exclude the feeling and opt for the story about the remorse, which causes us to, you could say, suck up into our brain pan and actually miss our miss our life. We, we, we substitute a bunch of thoughts about something. Thinking is just a tool, and we tend to go into the tool shed and just play with the tools and the ideas and the concepts rather than being outside and being here with how the grass feels. Be with the feeling of the remorse, the sadness of however that shows up, the texture of it. You can't have texture without space. You have to have space between the nap of your emotions so that you feel it. And if you're doing it, shall we say correctly, or let's say completely, it's probably going to really be difficult or really hurt. But it also, because you're there with it, it probably is not going to last very long. It might even immediately start to recede because you've been thorough about it. You've not thought of a bunch of reasons, excuses. You've not blamed anybody else. You're not chastising yourself as if you're some kind of wonderful ego that somehow can be correct all the time. There's a pathway there where people try to get better and better and better without a spiritual path, without a true spiritual path, path of transcendence. Then that's 
that's kind of what karma takes us into. Uh, you can't think your way out of this. Everything is impermanent. Anything that is manifest is going down. And if you're identified with anything, then that's going to keep going around and around and around. More. So part of that remorse is shame. And um, my shame quickly gets covered up with anger. And the anger is all I can see. So the three poisons in Buddhism, Buddhism are passion, aggression, and ignorance. So you have the you have the, the shame comes up and that's so intense that instead of staying to use the image again, staying in the carpet, stay in the feeling. And I'm not talking about a maintenance or, or grasping it. I'm just, the feeling's there, let me feel it. Because if that gets too difficult, then uh, going up into anger is to, you know, be becoming enraged about that you're even having to go through that. Or that someone did something to you could be the story happening there. Somebody did something, and that's why you feel shame. That's why you feel remorse. And that's why stories about stories about stories. Then we go from passion, and then as soon as that happens, unless that's seen thoroughly, it will immediately go into, pardon me, into aggression. And then unless the aggression is really understood, it'll go into ignorance. And unless the ignorance is really understood, it'll go right back into passion again or remorse again. You'll, 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 it'll be cyclic. Passion, aggression, ignorance, passion, aggression, ignorance. Yeah. The only way it can be dealt with, as far as I know, probably other ways, on Mars, or in the center of the Earth, or maybe the center of the moon. I hear there's great things going on there. The only way you can really deal with it is to aware, be aware of it, give it all kinds of room, give it lots of room, be completely generous with your giving your attention, and be completely generous with receiving whatever's happened. Receive not at the risk of sounding romantic. Receive the gift of your life. Receive. You're, you're born. You're, we don't know how we got here. Anybody look in the mirror and say, yeah, I know how this got here. The planning kind of went off a little bit. I really wanted a smaller nose. Or, you know, some how do I look? You know, why don't I have ears that go out like that? I'm being silly, but I'm saying we actually think that we're somehow, that we somehow did this. We didn't do this. There isn't anyone. If there were someone, this wouldn't even be happening. Probably nothing would be happening. Questions are good if you have them. What is awareness? It's a concept that. Uh, that uh, refers to uh, another concept, which is space, which refers to uh, something that's indescribable. As soon as you see space, it will all completely, completely lock down and be something else. As soon as you see anything, it'll turn into its opposite, either now or in six months. For three and a half years. Eventually, you're going to have to deal with have to deal with the opposite. Anytime you lock down on anything, lock down on success, failure is just around the corner. So awareness exercise. We're exercising awareness yeah. to see it, and then it then it's locking down. No, you can't lock down on awareness. <laughs> That's 
that's why there's all these techniques for following your breath, uh, doing mantras. And I've done millions of mantras, so I'm not speaking of someone, I'm speaking from experience. I, I didn't count them on these. The mala that I counted them on, I wore out the beads and they disappeared. But the other joke I've told that is quite funny, you hear it? I, I had my model that I was using and I was telling somebody, you remember this joke? How's it going? <laughs> I said, these, I'm showing hold up the beads. When I started with, I've done so many mantras. When I started with these beads, they were the size of grapefruits. <laughs> I like to see people laugh. How does awareness, how does meditation help us? So, uh, Kozan's asking, how does meditation help us? That's a very good question. So the meditation, uh, if you go into, uh, you know, Wikipedia or Google or whatever, when you're going to get all kinds of stuff. When I started, there was half a dozen books on Buddhism that I could find anyway. I'm sure there were more in universities, but in bookstores. And then there was just a few simple ways to do this. Now there are literally hundreds and hundreds of ways to train your mind or meditate, and all kinds of mantras, and all kinds of uh, visualizations and so on. And this, uh, the kind that I teach is very simple. Shikantaza means just precisely this. It's very simple. The only thing you're really doing that takes any effort particularly is to hold your back straight and hold still. And if you can't, if you have trouble or difficulty with your body, then hold still for as long as you can without being uh, militant. And uh, and then move, shift, move, stretch your back, and then go back and resume that. And over a period of time, you'll get so you can sit still for quite a long period. You know, even 15, 20 minutes is a long time to sit completely still. Diaphragm still moving, heart beating. Uh, eyes blinking, and other tiny movements that you will notice. And so by holding very still and observing what's happening, this is what I call meditation. And as I said, it's all kinds of other ways. The Vipassana style is <clears throat> a very definite style, and the, it goes back to the time of the Buddha and the SN Goenka, um, back I don't know, 20, 25, 30 years ago, uh, began to teach that in uh, Well, taught it all over, but he taught it in prisons in India. And very helpful to people. I think it really made a big turnaround in people's lives. And there was an eyes closed meditation where there's a contemplation of the body and different different uh, instructions for how to go about doing that and so on. So that would be a big contrast to one's everyday life in the prison or one's everyday life at all. The contrast is what happens there. So that's why there's such kind of a joyful feeling at the end of that. And Shikantaza you're not going to get much joy out of it. It's kind of boring. That's the idea, because the downside of boredom is it's boring. Not boring? <laughs> what is it then? You're not boring. I'm not boring? Yeah. All right. I like that. That was a compliment, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like saying crazy people are not boring. <laughs> I love to watch this guy. So, 
The downside of boredom is to most people, not, not to Sogaran, but to most people, uh, it's just it's boring. You know? let's do something. Let's go. Let's go somewhere. Let's go for a drive. Let's go to the beach. Let's 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 let's. But the upside of boredom is that is a sign, if you can just stay with it, that's a sign that you're slowly weaning yourself away, or giving up on, slowly, on entertainment, on the need to fill yourself with all kinds of, uh, your own form of uh, three-ring circus going on. So, and and that's that's how meditation feels when it's done very simply, no, no mantras, no visualizations, no, um, all of that stuff. And don't misunderstand. I'm not saying those practices aren't valuable. I've done, as I said, quite a few of those. I even teach them depending on the person. But we always, I always start people with people with the highest form of practice, which is just this. And then we back up into the, anything else they might need. And that doesn't mean that the tantric practices of visualizing Chenrezig or uh, Vajrasattva or uh, uh, white tar, green tara, aren't are lower level. I don't mean that. I just mean it's just a different way of working with the mind. Some people need to have to make up stuff and then dissolve it in order to be able to train their mind. So I would say start with this. <clears throat> and actually, uh, my teacher Trungpa Rinpoche, that's what he taught the first the first uh, month long meditation I went to in uh, whenever it was the seventy. was called a datum, month-long meditation. Went to that, and there was, really wasn't any instruction. Everybody just sat there like this. So there wasn't any instruction. And later on, then he gave instructions. More on that? Well, you said that we get bored, that's the upside. But how does it fundamentally help us? The Buddha said life is suffering, but I also said that if there are truth is freedom, Okay. So, I'm ready. Okay. You done? Yep. All right. So the way it helps us is meditation the way I teach it and the way you should be practicing it is to sit down and watch what moves. And through watching what moves, here's the thought pattern. Of course, it's not. It's my fingers. But it's going through. And the, the person, generally people, as soon as something comes through, we add on, we we push it down, we, we build it up into something else, we interpret it, or we add on a bunch of other fingers around it going around, and then something else happens and something else happens. But if you sit down and you just watch what's moving, then over time, this, the, the thought patterns start to change, and it's different with each person. So there's no way you can say to someone uh, when they're telling you that they're having, I've been meditating for six weeks, six months, six years, 20 years, but there's no way you can, uh, a person can tell you how long they've been meditating and what they're experiencing that you should actually go in and try to modify their, their uh, meditation or their experience based on your projection about it or your analysis, analysis of it. So it's different with each person. So anytime anyone sits down, is there anyone here that's never meditated before? In some kind of meditation. Okay, so if you went you sit down, you're meditating, and you're doing, I'm going to use this form, shikantaza, you're just sitting, you're holding still, you're watching what's moving. 
one day it's kind of slow and everything's just kind of moving along. You see thoughts come and go and come and go. You watch them. Maybe some memories come and they hang around for a while about some particular situation. Maybe they're so intense you forget you're in a body. You can actually get and start reliving that like a, like a daydream. Not a problem. You, if you're holding still and all of your senses are open and you're, you are endeavoring to see what is happening with your sense fields, in other words, giving everything your attention and whatever starts to move, receive it, let it come up, let it hang around and let it go with no agenda about it. Then the awareness or the space in which those uh, phenomena occur starts to get, you could say, prioritized and gets stronger. It's like the image I often use. It's like someone who is very confused or never trains their mind. Uh, it'd be like talking to them, looking at them. It'd be just like talking or looking at clouds. All you see is clouds, dark clouds, light clouds, tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, dust devils, you know what those are, those things. That's all you see. That's all there is there. Whereas someone who trains their mind, there may be clouds there, but there's also vast blue sky in which the clouds occur. And there's no disagreement between the sky and the clouds. There's no warfare going on. Even though there could be windstorms, there's no objection to, nor is there agreement with, nor is there a shutting down, closing up. So we train our minds so that there's clarity so that we, when we live our life that we can, we can see why other people are having so much difficulty and we can support them by what? Not meddling with them. The most gener generous thing you can do with someone is when you see them spinning, don't meddle unless you're asked or given permission. To step into someone's situation based on your projection of what's happening with them is, first of all, ignorant and is uh, uh, it's more about you than them. You want to be a helping person. A lot of people are in helping traditions that, because they want to be a helping person, not because they've really learned fundamentally how to help. Well, except for a few people. Yes. Can we do a guided meditation? Oh, yes. Um, what chooses uh, when your mind goes from, say, the sound of a plane to the feeling of a toe? What chooses what arises in the mind while you're meditating? There, there isn't. It's choiceless. Actually, your life is like that. It just doesn't look quite that way. It looks like you're actually choosing this and not choosing that. It looks like you're picking and choosing all day long, but you're not doing any of that. Same thing when you're meditating. More? Are there teachers that mislead us? Yeah. You think I'm misleading? No. no. Yeah, there are, there are more than there are that actually are here to actually help you liberate yourself. You have to do it yourself. Who's qualified to teach? Nobody. Nobody's qualified. Don't believe any credentials or don't believe this. I mean, I'm probably not going to get anybody to listen to me unless I have some kind of credential. But yeah, don't believe. Don't believe. Don't disbelieve. Don't look away. You'll know. You'll know. 
that's your teacher. If the person is teaching you and is honest and genuine and truthful, you'll know it. And if they if they start to manipulate you or interfere with you in some way or try to take advantage of you in some way, you'll know it. More? Um, what is your, in general, when you meet someone who you see as misleading, what is your, is there a common, is there a sadness, is there a common, something common that arises in you and your perspective? Is there compassion, although in misleading people and mm -hmm. away from Dhamma? So, there's a little bit of it, kind of irritation sometimes, but it doesn't last long. And the other thing that comes in practically at the same time is, I don't know what they're here for. As far as I know, they're the Buddha. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just know that some people listen to me and other people don't. And other people, I'm not even interested in, as I've sometimes said, not out of disrespect, but if the Dalai Lama came and showed up down the street, I'm not interested in it. I met him, but not disrespectful. But I would recommend that you go and everybody go meet the Dalai Lama. He's a great guy. And I think he's a genuine teacher. So your judgment from your perspective, yeah. it doesn't matter. I didn't say that. Okay. How, does, how do you... I can't rate a teacher. I can't. I can't tell their development. You can, or I can, or can, can you tell the development of a teacher? I, I would have to. I, I would have to meet them and look at them and interact with them a little bit, and then I would. Uh, because what shows up right away uh, is uh, uh, what their agenda is, and uh, not that you can't have an agenda to be a Dharma teacher, help people. So I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to be no agenda. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I mean, it's the fixation part when someone has some kind of a, they need some, they need something, they need students. I just had it recently had a student drop away. Just quit. Yeah, I got four minutes of conversation with her on the phone, went in another direction. It's difficult. But on the other hand, I don't know what she needs. Apparently it's not me. She went another direction because of judgments came up in her mind about me. And they're, from my perspective, they're not true, but I don't know what she's dealing with. I don't know what kind of karma is that, that being around me may have triggered, but there um, you are. So, hopefully she'll find a true teacher or not. Maybe she'll just be a skydiver. Any, any other? Just that meditation is very boring. I misunderstood what you said. I just wanted to re correct myself and say it's really oh, boring. Because everybody here was thinking, oh, I want to do what she's doing. She thinks it's not boring. Yeah, I thought you meant for you boring. You're absolutely not boring. I think I got it. But it's kind of non dual. You know, it's kind of like, I like what you first said. That was more fun, actually. <laughs> never boring. Yeah. Boredom is a very interesting situation. Once you think you've got that kind of understood, it just, 
like there was a while there when I said, I think I probably some of you heard me say, I'm never bored. As soon as I said that, I started getting bored. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never bored. Everything is fun and entertaining, but then all of them start getting bored. <laughs> so be careful, but you break it. Yes, you wanted me to, another question? Uh, I just was wondering, um, when you brought up Asimandil, there's this concept of a stream of consciousness, or a stream in general, and I'm wondering where is your space in a stream? So that's, that's pretty conceptual. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I would say it's just a matter of, of uh, you're, con you're talking about Vasubandhu's uh, perception only. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you just perceive something and you, you, you don't, it's, it's no longer there and there's no longer someone here. It's called liberation. And it's not liberation uh, to do something or not liberation from something. It's fundamental liberation. There's no longer anything that is separate from anything else. And yet, yet here we are. So there isn't anything to do. Yes. Where is the space then? Right here. Nothing is separate from the space. You know, it's difficult. You start to go that direction, then we, we get too kind of, uh, what is that word? Hatsi Tatsi? No. It's like that. You know what it is? Airy Fairy. <laughs> so did you want me to... First of all, is there any other questions we're going to do a guided meditation? Any any other questions? Before we start that? Yes. What is this? This is called a Raksu, and it represents the, the the robe of the Buddha. And I'm a Buddhist teacher, so this is something that that uh, uh, beginning students actually sew these uh, themselves. And they, every time you take a stitch, you take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha as the three jewels. And then. Uh, and then you have a, a, a receiving of 16 precepts or jukai ceremony, and then the teaching person, they give you give you this and give you a different name, and usually they write your name on the back. And so in, in my case, this was given to me by some of my students, sold this for me, gave it to me on my birthday. So just, uh, and then the full robe, um, anybody have a full robe? No. So Kozan uh, and... Uh, onion bunny. They both are monks, and so as I'm a monk, we're monks. So they also saw a big robe, you know, four or five feet by nine or ten feet. That's similar to the robe the the Buddha uh, wore with the patched robe. And then another ceremony uh, is happens, and then one becomes fully ordained. So it's just a, I like to say that it's like glue, you know, if you, you can practice this without even being a Buddhist officially, and I think it would be fine. But quite often people practice for a while and they, they want more, they want something to support them. And this going through the, the relate, relating to this in a ritualistic way, which you put it on your head and you recite a, a particular chant, the rope chant, and you just kind of re, rededicate yourself to what the Buddha taught 2,500 years ago. That everything is dependently arisen, nothing comes from its own side as a separate being or self. This is called egolessness. And this is what the Buddha taught, and this is what we're trying to understand. So sometimes you need more glue. So this is uh, this is like Elmer's glue, and then the full robe is like gorilla glue. <laughs> you can't take that one off. <laughs> so is that helpful? Anything else about it? Uh, yeah, brown, I know.
Actually, if you're wearing a, a black, uh, a black or really dark blue, uh, then like that, then it's a, uh, it's a, they're lay, pre, lay person's precepts. And so, uh, but if you have a brown robe, then you're uh, considered a, a transmitted. In other words, you're a teaching person. So if you're wearing this color in our lineage, in the Soto lineage, then it might be all brown or might have some, some brocade on it or something. It makes you seem a little bit, you know, it's like, it's like having stripes when you're a staff sergeant. Only not this. Anything else? And Rusheen's also sewing a robe. How's that coming? <laughs> huh? Out of my hands. It's in your hands. Oh, your sewing teacher is helping. How's that? How's that robe coming? Slow. I like that. Slow. Okay. Any other questions before we? How much time do we have? Is there? A, we said 8:30. 8:30. So if we do. But why don't we do, not very long, we'll do a guided meditation. And <clears throat> it's basically just chicken tiles. It's very simple, but I use some images to, uh, for some of those. Uh, those of you who haven't done this kind of meditation at all, to give you an idea how that works. We'll all do it together. We can do it sitting right where we're at. Uh, so sit, feet flat on the floor if you're in a chair. Hands can be on your on your knees, or if you if you don't mind, maybe put them in your lap, like left over right with the thumb slightly touching. Like so, and that creates kind of an oval in your fingers, first first uh, finger and thumbs, and uh, this just gives you a very symmetrical form for your body to be in. And then uh, you can have your gaze just down off the end of your nose, down towards the floor, since we're not facing a wall. If we're facing a wall, then we would look directly at the wall. And there's no problem with looking at the colors or textures, or, so don't worry about you don't have to fasten on something. Just uh, and you can kind of use peripheral vision, just like I'm looking at the floor, but I can see somebody peripherally walking over there. That's fine. So the idea is just include everything, everything coming your way, sounds, sights, smells, taste, touch, anything, taste of your own saliva, all of that, all the six sense fields, including the mind. Very. Pardon me? So I would say if you normally do that, you can do whatever you want. You can meditate that way. But, but the recommendation is to have your eyes open. And the idea with having your eyes open is if you close your eyes, it's very similar to sleep. You know, you could sit up and if your eyes are closed, and it's not that you're sleeping. Of course, you're, you're probably not sleeping, but you, you, the mind goes into a different kind of state. And it's very restful. It's very relaxing. And if you want to meditate that way, it feels better than by all means, do it. But if you want to develop some insight into who you are and what this is, then have all of your senses open so that everything is receiving at least a little bit. Uh, we, we're not playing music because we don't want to receive too much, but we're also not putting cotton in our ears. Uh, although I have told people in prisons to put cotton in their ears so they can cut down on some of the noise. Um, so here we are, and so if you're looking at the floor, a little bit of visual, so that keeps that visual, something about the visual consciousness, when it's actually happening, then there's an understanding that you can't even track about the position of the body in space. You close the eyes, and because of the nature of the spirit realm, you immediately go into a spirit realm. So have, we, we need to uh, we need to attain enlightenment. We we need to attain clarity. We need to become completely sane, which is another word for the Buddha. We become completely sane 
in this life, in this forum, in this moment, over and over and over again. Any questions so far? Anything else? Okay, so if you want to close your eyes, close them, but uh, you can try having it move for a while. See how that is. Here we go. So the key word here is observe. Just observe whatever is moving. Right now, my voice, the, the blower in the building is operating. Just a little bit of texture to that sound. There's texture to the voice you're listening to. There are spaces between the words or not. Your own thought patterns are arising, floating along. Notice how your clothes feel. You just receive. Gravity is pulling you down towards the chair or the cushion. And you're able to sit here very still. One of the images I sometimes use is, if that's helpful to you, is like sitting on the bank of a stream and the water is just flowing by. And occasionally a leaf that has fallen from a tree falls into the stream and floats by. And then another, and then maybe a few twigs bubbles. These are very much like thoughts. They just float by. Thoughts do not belong to anyone. You are not having thoughts. There is no owner. There are just thoughts, just sounds, smells, taste, touch, and sights. Just the color, texture of whatever is in your gaze. Just observe. Don't add, subtract, divide, don't comment, no elaboration, no criticism, and no distraction. But if you do any of those things, then those are just like bubbles or leaves floating by. Just observe. Don't try to stop them, don't try to start them, or ignore them. <coughs> there is nothing to fix. Everything is completely what it is.
whatever the sound is, just include. Ringing in the distance, thoughts, evaluations, this voice. Nothing lasts, everything that arises fades away. See if you can see the space around your thought patterns. If you cannot, this is still awareness. Awareness is primary, not what arises in it. You actually are the space in which your life occurs. Realize it.
So let's have some questions about that practice. That awareness exercise. What would be the exercise? What's the exercise? Yeah. That you're endeavoring to hold still when you probably would like to move and do something else, something more interesting. So it is an exercise to hold still and just observe. And when things go this way or that way, to watch them, but endeavor to not add. And it takes a while to, by looking at that, to see the way in which we add so that you can refrain from that. It's called, in the, in the Buddhist tradition, and a lot of traditions, it's called renunciation, not going after what you have an impulse to follow. Hold your seat, watch what moves, because we always think something is moving is separate from us, and we either don't want it, or we're glad it's leaving, and it keeps trying to come back, or we want it, and it keeps trying to go away, simply put, or it's just, difficult or whatever, and we don't want anything to do with it, we try to distract ourselves. So how can that adding help? It helps as you see that you can't help but add. So when I say don't add, you can't help that. Add. But, but what that does, it brings the awareness to watch how Whatever happens, you have some kind of comment on it. Not accusing anyone of anything. Maybe not having that problem is likely that I'm doing it, you're probably doing it. So it's always about awareness. It's not about correcting anything. If you think it's about attaining some kind of state of some kind of equilibrium, or some kind of vast, whatever, probably not. So keep it very simple. Well, just the first thought that arises, you just do nothing with it. It's just like a leaf floating by on a stream. Like I use, that's why I use that, because you probably aren't going to, it's moving, it's something, it's out there, but you probably aren't going to meddle with it. You're just going to watch it. So if you, if you take that kind of attitude towards your thoughts, then you really get to look at the thought rather than you, you react to the thought or reject it or love it or hate it or, or have, and start to go to war with the leaf. So it's just very simple, and it takes a while. And that's the exercise part: is is to to um, you could say pull back, but it's not exactly a pulling back because that's different. That's that's more about aggression, or that's more about ignorance. So I would say, uh, how long have you been meditating? Yeah, and so I would say say do more and try to do. 
just uh, generally not knowing you, but I would say try to meditate for an hour a day, half an hour, an hour, whatever you, whatever your own schedule is like. Sit down, hold still, look at the wall, and do nothing. Just good posture, do nothing, but but just observe. And for a while, uh, you'll probably notice a lot of that going on. But you know that's awareness. That, that's how it works. You actually sit down and see how you keep. You actually get a very clear picture of how what you've been doing maybe for years. And the awareness is what's important. The, the awareness will take care of it because the, when I say the awareness, awareness will take care of it, what I mean is that you're actually emphasizing the witnessing quality of it rather than the agenda quality of it. Yeah, we don't really like all those thoughts, but we want to see, it's like getting really getting to know your enemy or really getting to know your negativity and making friends with yourself deeply. So I, I say an image I've been using lately is here's where the hope and fear is. And here, here's where all the thinking I say, drop, drop down out of the, the mind and the heart and come up out of your gut into your heart. This doesn't think it doesn't need to. Okay. Judgment, like I think, oh, is my posture correct? No, and that's okay. Instead, if I just say, okay, like as a week, like, yeah, but don't say okay, that's extra. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so, of course, and that's it's, it gets kind of silly like that because we have this kind of a little tiny, you know, knee jerk reaction to everything, and it's about observing that, not about correcting it. It's not about correcting it, although. You're still trying to simplify it as much as possible, and you want to respect. You have to respect that leap, or respect that thought. We have to really be uh, kind to ourselves. Uh, might be a lot of negativity coming through. We don't know where that came from, but there it is. But just just be there and be be allow the uh, allow the stream to turn into a. Oh, I don't want to get too dramatic, but a bed of fire. How's that? <laughs> you know, I'll say somebody. Pour gasoline all over it and lit a match to it. That's too much. Let's see. How about if there were a lot of flowers floating by? That'd be pretty interesting. You wouldn't fight with those thoughts. So one thing I'll leave, leave you with is always about awareness, not what's arising in it. So the awareness is there, and then you get to see your own personal kind of pushing and pulling, and, and you get to get a really... Uh, it's, it's just like you're uh, someone who begins meditating. It's just like they discovered that their life was a stage, as Shakespeare said. And, and you actually find out where the front row seats are. You, you just, huh, finally, I don't have to be in this damn play anymore. But you still get to watch it. And just take a front row seat and be interested. Well, who's saying what to who? And it doesn't seem to be any director anywhere. That kind of thing. Space, lots of space. More? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Robin. So I was, I, we haven't had like much visualization going on when, when we're here, and so I was really getting to the regular visualization and learning, but then the thoughts started coming. But I just gathered those little guys in my head and put them on the list and they went away. Is that too controlling? Is it I don't think so. I mean, if you say that, I was just like, hey, I really... Yeah, that's too... Now you're adding. 
Well, what your first step is. Yeah, yeah you're making just, adjustment. Just making an adjustment now. Just okay. You know, it wasn't for your backups or whatever, and they were just gone. So what's your question? It was plain. I just wanted to know if that was too controlling no. of my mind to because I wasn't really looking at the thoughts. I was just now you're getting now you're adding too much. When you said was that too controlling? I said no. Okay. Thank you. You see what that is? Nah, neither do I. Other questions? Sometime. Please. Yes. During meditation instruction, if I recall correctly, um, you said you are not having thoughts. Did I? We have a recording we can find out for sure. <laughs> are, are we having thoughts? Well, I see what you mean. Yeah, there, there's no one having the thoughts. There, there isn't anyone. The thoughts, if there's somebody having the thoughts, then I could just say, well, just stop thinking. You can't do that. Anybody successful at stopping thinking? Good luck, as they say in Japan. You can't stop. You can't stop it. And, and you, it's not that you can't perhaps through some uh, manipulation of some kind slow it down. If you spend a lot of time chanting and vision, doing visualizations, the thought patterns uh, slow way down. But eventually, when you get really good at the chanting and visualizing, visualizing the thought patterns climb right back on again. They say, okay, that's enough of a break. We're coming back. Thinking, 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 thinking about, thinking about, thinking about, thinking about, thinking about. So that they don't really belong to anyone. There's no owner. Yes. You say there isn't anyone, but here it feels like we're here. So will you explain what you mean? So you're, you, there's, of course, we're here. This is our body. Of course, that's a simple kind of situation. But I'm saying fundamentally, you aren't. You won't really know this until this body drops. When the body drops, then you'll notice nothing happens. You think something, something's going to happen. I could be wrong, but probably not. That's why if you see that, if you understand that, there's no fear of death. It doesn't mean you're ready to die. Who wants to leave? This is fun, right? Yes. If you can get that second of no thought almost, mm -hmm. is that the space that divides you from adjusting? It could be. You know, I, I, I don't know exactly what you're, I, I understand your description and you're describing, uh, I'd have to get to know you. I mean, if I were to talk to you more, I might get a better idea of how you, what you're really describing. So it seems that there's a second or three yeah. that there is not a thought before maybe it's a second, not three. Okay. So what's the but question? Is that the space that you talk about that that is the separateness of the togetherness? Yeah. No, a little yeah. bit. It's actually it's just a gap. There are gaps, okay. yeah, it's a gap. But it's uh, you're actually using the, the 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 thought and then the gap and then the thought to find the gap. 
You can't, you're not finding that. You're, you're finding it because you're relating the distance between two thoughts to use, you're calling that the gap in space. So it's a different, little bit different kind of space. That's a way of seeing it, and that sometimes that'll happen for people right away. Sometimes you could practice for years and not have a gap. And then you, know, everyone's uh, wiring or karma is so different. And so we were handling our life that we've been around here forever. You know, it looks like lifetimes. I don't really believe in lifetime, past lifetimes necessarily. It looks like that. It looks like something comes, hangs around for a while, and then goes away. And it comes back and tries it again. Over and over. Further questions? Yes. yes sir. Earlier you used the word generous or generosity. Pardon me? Earlier you used yes. the word generous or generosity. Yes. Where does that fit into the actual act of sitting? The act of sitting? Yes. Yeah. So what you're you're doing is you're being generous. You can say it with a very simple with your own. Uh, you're giving attention, generosity. Give. You recognize that word. You're giving uh, attention to your mind. You're, you're going to sit down and you're going to be very generous with your fundamental nature. And if you're up, painting a house, changing light bulbs, raking a garden, chatting with a neighbor, uh, riding your moped. You know, or jogging, or playing golf. No, I'm not against any of those things. Well, maybe a moped. So then, when you take some time out, sit down, and you, if you, if you can really be generous for yourself, and you really can get to know yourself and be kind to yourself on a really, really deep level, then there isn't anybody. You don't have any more enemies. Even somebody who who is enraged at you, all you see is their suffering. You see the rage, and you're probably going to step out of the way of the of the uh, ball bat or whatever they're coming after you with. Hopefully, they're mistaken identity situation. But I mean, if you, you actually see the person's anger, so I'm not that you couldn't get irritated with them. Come on, this is ridiculous. I didn't do anything. I might say that, but there'd be a fundamental seeing because you'd spent time getting to know this. You've made friends with this. If you haven't made friends with this, you're gonna. And I'm not saying everybody's going to be your enemy, but you're going to find a few that need, you could say, your help. They need, need someone to not fight with their challenges. So give this your attention. And there's other ways of talking about it. There's practices, the 37 practices of the Bodhisattva, which I don't remember. But there's, there's that. There's uh, the, the six paramitas that all monks recite and um, generosity for the Dhamma Parami does the first one is to uh, give, be generous, help help others, put others before yourself. The path of the Bodhisattva is stop worrying about yourself, help others. The path of the of the Hinayana practitioner, which is a uh, is not not about uh, not helping others, but it's a lot of it is concentrating trying to get yourself into enlightenment. This is what they did early on. And then the Mahayana came along. More? Does that sense of generosity be an avenue to the sense of openness or spaciousness? It's, the, it's even the, uh, the Mahayana, the Bodhisattva path, is called the open way. The first one is like a like a, uh, a foot bath. <clears throat> and the open way is like a six-lane highway. It's open, it's open, it's open. You have, there's no, you have no safety. 
You're no longer trying to get pull yourself by your bootstraps into enlightenment. You don't even really remember what enlightenment was. You just know that you need to help people who are suffering everywhere. Maybe you, your own personal suffering, suffering, you've come to terms with that, so you're not no longer having very much suffering, a little bit. But because your heart opened up, uh, you see suffering everywhere. You see suffering in people that don't even know they're suffering. They've got it so well covered up. And they'll even tell you, oh, I'm fine. Life is great. Let's go tip a few. You know, it's that, and I don't mean to be dis disrespectful of anybody who's spending their life in that kind of way, but I'm just saying that quite often that's, I mean, life gets so difficult that different people, depending on their wiring or their causes and conditions, their karma, find ways to, to miss their life because to actually live their life is painful because they have to just be who they are and they don't want to be who they are. And that's why one of the, uh, my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, one time back in the 70s, came into a, uh, into a talk one time and he, it was a two-word talk. There's people there and he came up, got there, sat there for quite a while, which he often did. He said, be genuine. And he got up and left. End of the talk. We, we said, is that all he's going to say? <laughs> and what does that mean? It just means live, live your life. Actually, live. meditation will help you. You may not attain enlightenment, but you may practice enough that you don't care whether you attain enlightenment or not because you understand so clearly who you are, what this is. Enlightenment is not a state of mind. <coughs> it's not separate from mind. There isn't anyone. There is no separation. But without realizing it, you'll continue to think there are lots of stuff coming your way. More. Thank you. I have a few minutes. Do you have any? Yes. The only time that I have to meditate that I feel currently is like 4.30 and 6.30 a.m. where I'm just kind of a delirious mess. Should, That's a question. I, should I meditate consistently at a time that I'm tired? Doesn't matter. Meditate whenever you can. Can you guys meditate together? Isn't there someone else? can't remember his name. Gary. <laughs> Emoji Gary. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, to meditate with someone else, it's helpful to have support with someone else. We have meetings here once a week or more. People get together to practice together. It doesn't matter. What what matters is get get to the cushion as much as you can. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves. You had a question. Well, that sounds like me. Okay. In a couple of days. <laughs> Anyone else? Robert. No questions, Robert? How did you quit smoking? I stopped buying them. <laughs> well, and then, then I started losing a lot of friends. <laughs> so it's hard to quit. I, I think uh, uh, to be, to be, I had help uh, because I thought I was going to die. How's that? My lungs were really. I have COPD and I have trouble 
So I smoked for many, many years, and I quit, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. But it was hard. I, I just had to be really stubborn about it, and just, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to smoke anymore. I had to do that several times. Nah. I don't think meditation will necessarily help you quit smoking. It might. It didn't help me. I, when I quit, I'd, I'd meditated for a long time. Very difficult. But when I found out to go on with the habitual thing, I found out I was diabetic, oh, 20, 25 years ago, and I was able to stop drinking. I drank beer, I didn't drink a lot, but I, I was able to stop immediately and with, without much problem. So I, I don't know what that's about. Nicotine is intense. So I don't know. I'd be happy to we can put you in our basement and chain you to a pole. <laughs> Isn't there a movie somewhere where they're what is that movie where misery. who is it? Misery. Is it misery? No it's not misery. No, no. no it's not misery. It's uh, it's shameless. Yeah shameless where they the guy's making money by saying, I can get you off drugs. <laughs> he charges some money and then he puts them in the basement and chains them to a pole and then brings down sandwiches to him. They quit using drugs. <laughs> That's a crazy book. So we have five minutes left. Any Anyone here have a something I'd like to ask about, about meditation? Yes. Yes. You know, washing the thoughts, leaf, listening to the little leaf, it's not like all I'm on the river. See, we don't go by and then afterwards. I will often not recall what any of it was. That's a question. Does that mean that I was not? Doesn't matter. I can tell you, how do you know if you're meditating correctly? If you're sitting down, Holding still, sitting symmetrical, like this, like this. Prefer like this, but you can also do this. Sometimes uh, Kozan has trouble with her back sometimes. So don't you have to sit like this? Not anymore. Not anymore? Oh. After I went to that retreat, everybody did this, and we had to. Oh, they shamed you into yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that works. So uh, if you're doing that, you're sitting down, endeavoring, endeavoring. I just mean that you don't have to succeed. Just sitting down, holding still, look at the wall. And, and stay there for an hour, whatever time you set out. That's how you do it. Anything else is extra. Don't evaluate your sitting. You can evaluate your sitting uh, in a few years, 10 years. Evaluate that. Or else come to me and I'll help you evaluate it. I'll say, you're doing fine. Going. <laughs> I mean, how do you have out your, if you use the image of a mountain, and at the top of the mountain, you break over the top of the mountain, and suddenly you're totally sane. No more warfare, no more problems with anything. Other people are still having problems, but you're not. So if you're halfway up that mountain and you want to know how you're doing, you ask somebody who goes up and down on it all the time. That's the image. Because he, she, they know what's on the top of it, they know what's in the bottom, they know all the pit, pit holes or pit, pit holes, potholes, potholes, up and down. And if you're if you've never been to the up there, just using that metaphor then you're going to wonder how you're doing. And so if somebody's going up and down, they say, yeah, you're doing fine. Yep, that's the path. Very simple image. Do it. There are sidetracks, like you're asking about teachers. Sometimes teachers want you to 
be there. They want to control you. That's kind of a sidetrack. They might have not been up at the top, but they might have gotten. I thought, well, maybe I can, maybe I can just get off on controlling people. Uh, have a, a credential. So I think that's sometimes what happens. They they give up on themselves. But I don't know that. Did you want to say anything about about the? For people who may want to come back to practice here with this group. Or something. Yeah, we practice. Um, we practice here um, Thursday Stay. nights. Uh, we practice here on Thursday nights. Pioneers you got some pathways preschool, and they let us use their space. So we start sitting at 6:30. Um, people usually come around 20 after six. We uh, do a short Buddhist service. Um, we chant the Heart Sutra, and then we read a guided meditation from Sokazan's book, and then for the last next about 40 minutes, we sit, and people can get up and move if they need to. Um, and for the next hour, we study uh, a book. We read together slowly, out loud, so you don't have to have the book or experience with the book. We're cut, studying Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism by Chogyam Trumpa, Sokazan's root teacher. And then... When Sokazan's available for the last 15 or 20 minutes, we um, open the Zoom room and ask questions of them. And that's it. And then once a month, we try to have a, a month-long or a, a day-long retreat. Good idea. <laughs> 9 to 4.30. Sokazan does two Dharma talks, and we do sitting and a little bit of walking meditation, have lunch, do a little bit of work to... Um, show our appreciation for using the space. So, um, yeah, it helps to support with, it helps to sit with support because it's kind of hard to do on your own all the time. So there's information about a uh, retreat that we're having this Saturday over on the table. Everyone's welcome to come. Do you guys have any questions about that? Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks, sir.